1: Hi folks, be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment.
2: Now, uh, without any clicking and clattering and everything else, golly, it's been a fun morning. Here's Dr. History. Good morning, Zeb. Don't say good.
1: <laughs> it's a morning, Zeb. <laughs>
2: are you, my friend? Great.
1: You know what, Zeb? This morning I went back through several years of looking at some of my emails from listeners. Yeah. And I've got to say, there are some amazing people out there that have emailed me their thoughts and and, uh, suggestions and I just want to say thank you to those people that have taken the time to email me with their uh, suggestions, their thoughts and their uh, just good, good people and I I appreciate them.
2: Yeah, well at least you don't get the phone calls like, uh,
1: who do you think you are? (laughs) Yeah, I don't get phone calls but uh, I get some really good people. Do you have anybody we got to thank today? You know what? I forgot to check. I had a a lady that uh, emailed nailed me this week, and I forgot to grab her name, but I'll have it for next week. Okay. So today, Zeb, we're going to talk about something that has been suggested a number of times, guns. That's an interesting topic from the Old West.
2: I really am fascinated with the guns.
1: Okay, so I'm going to go through about 10 guns that... Uh, you know, you say what? Which gun was, won the West?
2: It was a Colt forty-five Peacemaker.
1: Well, I'm going to give you about ten options here, and, oh. and you're right. There's there's some that definitely yeah. were the ones that that won the West, but uh, you know, but according to. What I read, it says no single firearm tamed the American frontier by itself. Uh, The American West was conquered over a period of decades, beginning with the birth of the Industrial Revolution, a time of great improvements in firearms technology. These guns were used by diverse people who relied on them for sustenance, defense, conquest, protection of life, property, law enforcement, and law-breaking. Now, I'm, I am not an expert, folks, on guns. So I'm gonna try to do my best, but I wanna s- just, uh, define one thing here. Any firearm using what they call a cap lock mech- mechanism is considered a percussion gun. Mm-hmm. Okay? So, you know, you might want to look that up to get a, a better idea of that because, I, again, I'm not a, an expert. So I'm going to start with, number one, the Hawkins planes rifle.
2: Oh, man, that yeah. was quite a weapon.
1: Yeah. Now, the this powerful and rugged muzzle-loading flintlock and caplock planes rifles were designed to replace the longer, slender, and often less powerful Pennsylvania rifles used during the initial period of our westward movement. Heavy, shorter, and more powerful, these Plains rifles were carried by explorers, immigrants, the mountain men uh, who were in the Rocky Mountain fur trade. Uh, While a number of fine gunsmiths turned out such rifles, it was the gun shop of Samuel and Jacob Hawken that became the standard by which all other Plains rifles were judged. Where were they made? Produced in, <laughs> you got me right there, Zeb. Next sentence, produced in St. Louis, Missouri. I didn't know St. That. Louis. Yeah, I didn't know that. And the style was originated by Hawkins. Uh-huh. himself. Uh, this was a heavy, large board, full and half-stock muzzleloaders were more uh, powerful arms produced to shoot the big, dangerous Western game. They were better suited for use on horseback, which, again, an important factor in the Old West, you know, when you're on horseback. Now, plains rifle. Can rifles, you imagine
2: shooting that thing, sitting on a horse... If I put uh, one of those guns in my hands and shot it off my
1: <laughs> rope horse stinger, they'd find me over on your porch. <laughs> and my horse... In the other county. <laughs> I tried that once <laughs> when I was deer hunting. Now, Plains rifles were made uh, from the early 1800s through the 1870s, and the Hawken uh, was the best known of the breed. Hawken customers included Kit Carson, Jim Bridger, Jedediah Smith, John C. Fremont, and William C. Cody. Okay, number two, the Colt. Patterson revolver. Mm -hmm. Now, despite not being a successful business venture for Samuel Colt, this five-shot cap-and-ball single-action became the first practical revolving pistol. Although uh, only about 2,800 were made, this was the handgun that revolutionized revolvers of all time. The Patterson, its name comes from a city in New Jersey where it was manufactured. was produced in a number of small calibers and model variations ranging from the pocket-sized, what they called the Baby Patterson, ...to a larger, mid-powered belt revolver. Does
2: it amaze you, and if we have to do two shows on this, I'd like to, but does it amaze you as to the workmanship and the ability of over 200 years ago to manufacture these guns it and does. keep up with the sameness?
1: It does. I, to, to, I mean, I do woodworking, but metalworking, yeah. how do you do that back oh, in those days without the tools, you know? Yeah. Um, so anyway, it was the long barrel 36 caliber Texas Patterson uh, version of this first colt that was put to deadly use against the Comanches by the early Texas Rangers. It also saw service in the Mexican-American War, the California Gold Camps, the Second Seminole War, uh Pat- Patented in 1836, the Patterson was not actually produced until the following year, 1842. I heard it was a very
2: heavy gun.
1: That's what I get the impression. Yeah. Okay, so our number three, number thir- our third gun, uh, the Colt 1849 pocket model. Now, despite its small size or maybe because of it, Colt's 1849 pocket cap-and-ball revolver became Colt's best-selling revolver of the 19th century.
2: Was that a pistol? Do you have a picture of it? Was it a pistol without a trigger guard?
1: I don't have a picture of that with me. Uh, But it was probably the best-selling even in the world with around 330,000 produced from 1850 to 1873. You're kidding. A thirty one caliber, and it was a five-shooter. Not a 6, but it became a favorite with the public and the military alike, but it was never actually issued to the military, but a lot of them got bought their own. But thousands were purchased before the Civil War, especially in California, where they sold for a lot more than their factory retail price out out west. Sam Colt, who was a clever businessman, determined the need for such a gun and realized he could eliminate many of the manufacturing steps and parts required required in his larger dragoon revolvers and to produce an inexpensive lightweight pistol. So he he was hmm. you know quite an inventor uh, uh, an innovator really. So the little 1849 Colt quickly became a favorite with miners, gamblers, yeah. merchants, lawmen, soldiers. Uh, Colt's Pocket 49er was an ideal easily handled uh, defensive gun. This was a gun that sold so well that this is what put Colonel Cam, uh, Sam Colt in business forever. How easy was it to reload those? Um, I'm not sure on, on that five shot. I I, I, uh, I don't know if you had... To push the the spinch, uh casing out yeah. manually, I I don't know. So uh, number four, the Colt eighteen fifty Navy revolver, mm-hmm. nearly a quarter million thirty six caliber eighteen fifty one Navy Navy Colts were turned out between eighteen fifty and eighteen seventy three. Kind of a favorite gun of Wild Bill, one of the best balanced and smoothest handling belt sized revolvers of the Cap Lock era. The Colts 1851 Navy model could easily be called the percussion peacemaker.
2: Why did they call it Navy? You
1: know what? I'm not sure. It seems like I a, don't mean to put you on the spot I, on I know, this, and I'm not um, trying to
2: be funny, but I was often wondering where they came up with the Navy know, Colt.
1: Just going back, it seems like a couple of years ago. There was something to do with the Navy, something with ships, and I I would have to go back and look that up. So I, I, I'm not sure why they called it the Navy. But uh, it was preferred by a lot of people over other sidearms before they had metal cartridges. Now, it was the personal favorite of good and bad men alike, like the James Younger Gang, the Texas Rangers, the Pinkertons, uh John Wesley Harden, Robert E. Lee, and like his smaller cousin, the 1849 Colt in the gold fields of California, the Navy's model sold far more uh, than for what they cost back east, and nearly a quarter million of these 36 caliber six guns were turned out from 1850 to 1873 and during the 1870s a number of them were converted to take a 38 caliber metal cartridge this is when they were starting to come out with the metal Cartridges. Well,
2: my next question was: When did they develop, at first, the actual metal cartridge bullets for these pistols?
1: Okay, it, it's. Uh, I'm gonna. I think we'll get to it. I, I think we're gonna get into like the 1860s and maybe 70s when they started coming out with those. So number five: the 1860 Colt Army revolver. Now, this was produced from 1860 to 73. Uh, Colt's 1860 Army model is the company's third most produced percussion handgun, designed as a lighter, easier to carry and handle, successor to the big, cumbersome Dragoon revolvers. Mm -hmm. It was an immediate success. 127 were purchased by the Union government during the Civil War and became the primary revolver used by federal troops during that conflict, whether in... Original original caplock or converted metallic or metal cartridge form. Okay, So no, right about in there.
2: Right it? there we had the bullets. We've got a caller with a question yeah. for you. Caller, okay. quickly, real fast. You're on the air. Thank you. Just a quick statement. The 1851 Navy would call that because the Navy did contract with them for a bunch of those pistols, and it has the stamp inspected by the Navy on there. That's why it's worth so much
1: more money. That's according to an issue uh an episode
0: of Pawn Stars. Thanks. Hey, I
2: appreciate that caller. Thank, yeah, thank you, you very much. I,
1: I thought it had to do something yeah. with the Navy itself, the yeah. ships. So, but anyway, this uh, Army revolver was—it uh, uh, it carried it easy on your hip. It had plenty of stopping power, uh, and nearly that uh, as much as this big cumbersome dragoon. It had an eight-inch barrel uh, six-gun. Some of them actually. Produced with a seven and a half inch barrel, and it quickly became a, a favorite with frontiersmen. Uh, it was an issue weapon to the U.S. cavalry, the Texas Rangers, as well as guys like John Wesley Harden, James Brothers, Texas yeah. Outlaw Sam Bass. So, now I'm going to mention center fire and rim fire. So, a center fire ammunition is used for rifles, shotguns, and handguns. And in this type, the primer is located in the center of the case, the casing base. Mm-hmm. Okay, a rimfire ammunition has the primer contained in the rim of the ammunition casing. Right. So just to throw that out as I... As and I, by the
2: way, we should both say we're not, either one of us, gun experts. <laughs> but that. we're relaying some of the information right. of the guns to so, the Old West. Yeah, so yeah. if you
1: have, you know, let me know if I'm saying something wrong here, folks. So number six, the Springfield... Trapdoor
2: uh, rifle. Now that rifle became so famous uh, throughout our Western history, they even made Western movies about it.
1: Yes. Yeah. This was known, and you're going to remember this. Uh, known a, a, on the frontier as the needle gun, due to its long firing pin, the Springfield trapdoor started life in 1865 as the Allen converted Civil War muzzleloader chambered to fire at first a fifty eight caliber rimfire metal cartridge then shortly 58 after .58 caliber? Yeah. Then shortly thereafter the famed Second model Allen conversion model 1866 was brought out in a sleeve barrel that handled the 50 to 70 center fire cartridge. This was the rifle credited for the U.S. Army's ability to withstand Indian attacks along the Bozeman Trail uh, in the hayfield and wagon box fox. Uh, fights in 1867. I wonder what the
2: recoil was oh, like. Oh man!
1: But it was also favored by hide hunters uh, in early buffalo hunting years. Buffalo Bill killed hundreds of buffalo with his 50 to 70 Allen. In fact, he he had a name for his gun. He called it Lucretia Borgia. <laughs> because he considered a beautiful but deadly, like the famous woman of the Italian Renaissance. <laughs> yes,
2: exactly right. Yeah. So the
1: 1873 Springfield in rifle or carbine configuration. So when I say carbine, I look that up. That just means kind of a smaller rifle. Yeah, but you're saying what was the caliber of the bullet uh, or the shell? The the earlier one was
2: uh, 50 to 70. Can you imagine? You're not a big man. No. And how would you like to shoot 100 rounds of that in your shoulder? (laughs) Oh, boy, I'd be shifting shoulders.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Careful, careful. But uh, anyway, it was the primary, the 1873 was the primary weapon of the Indian Fighting Army from its inception that year until the mid 1890s. Initially used against the Native Americans, it was later employed to protect Indians from unscrupulous whites. The carbines were carried by Custer's cavalry. At the Little Bighorn, with both rifle and carbine uh, used in other battles with the Northern Plains Indians, as well as the Apaches, Comanches. Um, It last saw combat in 1890 at Wounded Knee in South Dakota. Really? Now, the name trapdoor was not used until the second 1873 model was introduced with a trapdoor compartment in the buttstock. For storing cleaning tools and broken and a broken shell extractor in eighteen seventy seven. So trapdoors were also popular popular with civilians and budget minded homesteaders. So that's where the term trapdoor comes. It had like a little compartment in the butt See, of the now, gun. I
2: thought the trapdoor theory was in regards to the loading mechanism. That, and
1: that's what I first thought until I, I read that. Yeah. So number seven, the Winchester model eighteen sixty six, originally called the improved Henry, the brass framed forty four rim fire eighteen sixty six Winchester, was often called the Yellow Boy. By Indians, over 170,000 left the factory long after uh, stronger centerfire ammunition had bypassed the weaker uh, rimfire. Let me ask you a quick question myself.
2: You would have thought that the army would have tried to purchase those repeating rifles instead of the Springfields.
1: Yeah, uh, it just makes sense, you know. Now we can look at that, yeah. but
2: but these. Uh, what was the capacity on the sixty-six Winchester? Um, was it like seven shots or was it more?
1: I don't know that. I don't know. Um, But the Yellow Boy was coveted by the American Indians because it was a repeating rifle, uh, along with this bright yellow brass receiver. The lever-action rifle was carried by Union Pacific Railroad's Chief Engineer, General Grenville Dodge, uh, Bill Doolin, Sue uh, Medicine Man, Sitting Bull, along with a lot of the Texas Rangers, Army scouts, military officers, hunters, ranchers, yeah. a number of the 1866 Winchesters, uh, war, among those uh, repeating rifles used by Crazy Horse, uh, to defeat Custer. That's a little big I one. I wonder
2: how many are still around
1: today. Oh, I, you know, I, I can't imagine that they would uh, not be worth a lot of money. Oh. So now yeah. we get to number eight, the Smith & Wesson. Uh, it was introduced in 1870. The 44 uh, centerfire Smith and Wesson Model Three, the first model American, stands as the practical large bore metal cartridge re- revolver. It was highly now this is a, a pistol, you know, a revolver, yeah. Yeah. highly popular in the West, and it was a top break six gun. So
2: yeah, like, so what uh, it did, it br- uh, like breaking two, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. But uh, it was used by Bill Cody, uh, yeah. uh, the James Younger gang, Charlie Pitts, Wesley Hardin, Pat Garrett. Those guys used them. In some of the Western
2: movies that Tom Selleck produced, uh, he used one of those.
1: He was... He wanted to make sure he had the the exact absolutely. Uh, yeah. yep. Now then we get the eighteen seventy four Sharps rifle. This was the Buffalo rifle, uh, you know, and it was used to uh, against the Plains Indians. The seventy four model was would fire a forty, forty five, fifty caliber. Uh, it was a heavy gun, but uh, Billy Dixon uh, this. Uh, you could have a 50 to 90 caliber shell. Now, this was the gun that Billy Dixon fired at the Battle of Adobe Walls. Uh, he knocked an Indian off his horse, wounding him from a record distance of 1,538 yards. I can't see that far. I can't either. The Indians called this the "shoots far" or shoot today, kill tomorrow, guy. Because <laughs> by the time the bullet gets there, it's the next day. Oh, my goodness. So, now we have number 10, the single action. Yeah, i got one minute left. Oh, Zeb. I know. Well, I'd like to continue it next week. Okay. I really would. Well, I've, I've only got a little bit left. Okay. Can I? So the, we have the single action army used by the Texas Rangers, Wider, Bat Masterson. Then we have the 1873 Winchester. That's the one that everybody claims the gun of the west yeah yeah uh lever action uh famous rifle of the old west easy to maintain but i wanted to finish with this the double barrel shotgun mm. all right yeah uh, it may come as a surprise to gun experts but the double barrel shotgun was one of the most important firearms of the frontier the single most versatile and eco- economical and it still is uh because Uh, what you could do is you could have uh, uh, it was called the uh, crowd tamer because the appearance of a shotgun uh, could persuade a mob to leave and you had one barrel loaded with shot for game and a second with a slug for defense and uh, that was the old. That was the workhorse of the Old West, that double-barreled shotgun. Do you remember
2: the movie El Dorado with John Wayne? Okay. Remember James Conn played the part of Mississippi? Oh, yeah, right. And right. he had the shotgun, sawed-off shotgun. He yeah. couldn't hit anything with it, but he would shoot, like, signs off of buildings, and they'd knock people out and all this
1: <laughs> yeah. kind of thing. So the old double barrel that was the one to have, you yeah. know. And, uh, and, you know, some of the guards on trains. What gauge
2: were those?
1: Were they too? You t- know, t- I I t- I t- Last week I talked about the guy that was defending the train, and he had a ten gauge sawed off double barrel. How'd you like to hold on to that puppy? You know, a twelve gauge can uh, hit me pretty good. (laughs) So a ten, you know. But the old double barrel—that was the workhorse of the old west.
2: I hate to interrupt this conversation because it's so interesting. But back in Dodge City, Kansas, if you ever get a chance to go there to the Wild West Museum, they've got there that uh, centers around Boot Hill and. And everything in dodge yeah. city all those old guns are there and you would find it extremely
1: fascinating okay, you've been to cody wyoming oh yeah the buffalo yeah. bill museum absolutely thousands of yeah. guns thousands yeah. i mean you could spend all day and never see all. Of them. absolutely I, i'm sorry it's over it went too fast it did I, I may have to do another one on guns i'll look forward to it all right all right
0: our bodies come in different shapes and sizes so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too